I'm Stephen Adams. This is Down to Doug. I'm, I'm miffed and peeved. Welcome to Down to Doug. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of CLNS Media, DailyThunder.com, and feature on Dash Radio at 5 o'clock Central Time. With me today is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? Uh, what's up? Hey, man. Uh, not a lot of Thunder news. It is Hamadou Diallo's birthday, though. Whoa! 21 years old. Happy birthday, hey. Hami. Hami. What do you think about Hami for this year? Or do you think about Hami for this year? I hadn't until you just asked me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, he... Well, actually, I don't know how much playing time he'll get. I mean, you, you'd hope he'd get consistent playing time. But who knows? I mean, yeah. if they start off really well, like uh, Mikey Bear is predicting, right. <laughs> force, forcing upon the world, he's speaking it into existence. Um, if that happens, I don't really know like how many minutes he could realistically play on like a team that's doing well. Maybe like 15 minutes per game. That would be like exciting. I feel like that's realistic. Yeah, I I don't know. I I think as the team is constructed today, I don't really think he plays. Yeah, because like you you think about it, you start Chris Paul, you have Dennis Schroeder as his backup, point guard positions locked down. At the two, you're going to start SGA, and you're going to have Ferguson behind him. And there's not a lot of minutes to share there because you want to play SGA a lot. And you want to play yeah. Ferguson a lot. Then you get to small forward. And if Andre Robertson is actually healthy, like you're going to play him. And are they going to play Abdul Nader is the next question. That oh, I have. yeah, that, that would that would kind of be the difference. I mean, they're going to run a lot of three guardish lineups. Yeah. Yeah, they will. So, yeah, maybe I, I'll predict 10 minutes per game. That'd be great. I'd, ra- I'd rather see him than Nader. I mean, wouldn't we all like to see that? <laughs> I think we felt that way last year. Right. <laughs> I know. Uh, or at least see Deontay instead of him. Or at least see Baisley instead of him, right? Like, those are yeah. <laughs> those are all guys you're like, okay, I can see a future in the league with these guys. Uh, I wish they would have just waved Nader, but they didn't. He's, he has a guaranteed contract now and will be on the team. There's got to be some belief within the organization that he can do things uh, because of the way that they played him last year uh, and, the, and the fact that he's still on the team when he didn't have to be. Um, I don't know. It'll be That will be interesting. And it, I think what's kind of good about the situation, I think that it's a, it's a tough situation for Ferguson and for Diallo and Burton and Baisley because there's not a lot of minutes for those guys. Ferguson, they're, he'll get guaranteed minutes. Everybody else, they're not guaranteed. But if they play, it means that they're playing really well and that they're actually good. And yeah. that you're not just handing over minutes to guys just as quote-unquote developmental minutes. They actually have to go and earn those minutes. And so I think there's good and bad things about that. Uh, but if Diallo does play next year... If he plays 15 minutes a game next year, it means that he's good and that he's earned it. Right. Yeah, and who knows? I mean, obviously the system is going to be totally different. Like the way they play is going to look a lot different. Mm-hmm. So maybe some of those guys make more sense this year than they did last year. Because I know it was kind of 
it was hard to play Hami a lot with like Westbrook, who takes a lot of minutes because he's just not a good shooter. So pairing him up with Westbrook never made a ton of sense. So there, there was never going to be a lot of minutes there. But maybe this year is different. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of Hami's minutes are going to be about the corner three. Can he hit a corner three? Yeah, I, I'm skeptical. And is he a good enough off ball cutter to get minutes? Like those are like the two questions I have. Can he hit a corner three? If the answer is no, is he disruptive enough to to be able to to matter? And I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Uh, Alex, we're gonna do some over unders. We're gonna do this over the course of several weeks, and so <laughs> I I think it's it's a good exercise one to know who's on these teams because there's so much player movement you're like oh i didn't know that guy was on the raptors um so i think it's a good exercise for that and then uh for us to look really stupid uh come next year so yeah and uh it's also a good reason a good way to just spread out podcasts over a long amount of time it's a good way to create content so because <laughs> last year we tried to do we tried to do it over two weeks, and by the end of each episode, we were like rushing through the last four or five teams. Yeah. So this year, we're splitting up each conference into their their own separate two podcasts. So today, we're going to go over the top eight teams in the East last year. So the playoff teams in the East last year. Next year or next week, we'll do the lottery teams from last year in the East, and then so on. So, are you ready, Andrew? I'm ready. All right. We're going to start with the number one seed last year in the Eastern Conference, the Milwaukee Bucks, 60-22 and 22 last year. Their over-under for this season is 58.5. Their key additions were Robin Lopez, Wes Matthews, and Kyle Korver. Key losses, Malcolm Brogdon and Nikola Miritich. How are you feeling about the Milwaukee Bucks? And by the way, that over-under, 58.5, it's a weird one because – you you can obviously bet on an over under from multiple places. We chose the Westgate Sportsbook, but for instance, like on DraftKings, their over under is three whole wins lower, fifty five and a half, hmm. which is kind of crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. Uh, I feel good about them just because they have Giannis, uh, and they've that got is correct. He is still there. Some guys that can shoot it around him. You still have Chris Middleton, who's really good. You add Wes Matthews. Uh, if George Hill can replicate what he did in the playoffs last year, he was really good for them. And so I don't love them losing Malcolm Brogdon. I think that he's really good. But I think that in the regular season, they can make it work. They also added guys that were really great role players like five years ago, like Robin Lopez, Kyle Korver, Wes Matthews. If you added those guys a few years ago, that's great. Today... It's less exciting, especially the Kyle Korver edition. Because what is he like, thirty-seven years old? Um, yeah, and and they got significantly older by those moves too. So they yeah. are the now the second oldest team in the league, behind only the Lakers. Wow. Yeah, that's something that that matters because, and I think it particularly matters for Giannis and his future with the Bucks. Probably won't matter that much for this year. I think they'll be great this year. Like you look at their team. Like, who else is growing as a player alongside Giannis? Yeah, it's basically, I mean, Middleton is still in his prime. He's 27. Yeah. But then it's like guys like 
Dante DiVincenzo and DJ Wilson and Pat right. Connaughton. So, yeah. Yeah, it's not a great that's not a great situation there. And you would have said Malcolm Brogdon would have been that guy, right? Yeah, and I think if they could go back and you could give Eric Bledsoe's money to Malcolm Brogdon, would wouldn't don't you don't you think they would do that? I think they should have done yeah, they should do they should have done that. And then you could I mean, I don't know why they just didn't sign him in the off season and then um you know, trade Eric Bledsoe and try to right. get like an expiring contract and a and a pick, or even just expiring contracts. Like you could have traded him to the Timberwolves for their expiring contracts. You could have done that. I don't know, man. That's that that one is that's a concerning move to me. But for their for this next season, I think they're going to be really good. I'm going to take the over on fifty eight and a half. Really? Okay. So you're basically expecting them to replicate what they did last season or get very close to it. Yeah, I think Giannis is still on a upward trajectory. I get the, I still think he's going to be good. He'll be better. I think Robin Lopez was great for them. It was good they got him back. I think or I mean Brooke Lopez. Robin Lopez is a good addition. Like he's a good player and he's going to help them too coming off the bench. Do you I, think we'll get any Lopez brothers on the court at the same time? I mean, I think you could. Offensively, it's fine. But yeah, that's true. Not a lot. I don't think that you want to see that a lot. Uh, who who plays? I guess Giannis is their four, but who who's the other forward that plays alongside him mostly? Urson? <laughs> I know. That's kind of what I was thinking. Like, oh, like, I don't know about that. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to take the under. Um, one thing that I thought was interesting, so they were 11-7 and seven without Brogdon last year, hmm. which was still good, but that was like a 50-win pace Yeah, that's not for a 60-win team. team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if it was the DraftKings over-under at 55.5, I'd probably go over. So mm-hmm. I do think they're still going to be a really good team. Um, but they only have to get like 58 for them to hit that under. So. Right, that's true. I think I'll go with that. Do you have? Do you have an NBA? We'll have a few uh, a few segments for each of these. Do you have an NBA smart guy take? And if this is your first time listening, an NBA smart guy take is a take that you just it exists out there in the podcast ether, and we absorb it, and we then we recite it to our friends, and then if anyone ever calls us out on it, we realize that we don't actually know why we think that because we just heard it on a podcast months ago. Um, but it's something that like smart NBA podcast people have been saying a lot about this particular team or about a particular player that has just become like conventional wisdom. I think it's probably that Sterling Brown is a functional rotation player. So you think it's still him because that was our NBA smart guy last year. So you think he, <laughs> he's kept the crown in Milwaukee. He's a guy that I still would not recognize if he walked by me at the mall. So, yeah. Because <laughs> sure. I have... I have one that's a little a little spicier. Okay. Because I heard it on a recent podcast, and it, it is that Dragon Bender was a good signing for the Bucks. <laughs> Who said that? I think I heard it on Sam Bassini's podcast. Yeah. And he talked oh, me into yeah, it yeah, too. Yeah. yeah, he's like, Well, wouldn't he would have been a first round around a first yes. round pick, around the thirtieth pick. Yeah. I forgot okay, Bender look, was on this team. He's not listen. so I'm looking at NBA.com's and where did you look at the rosters at? Uh, oh well first of all i usually do this with hoops hype that's where i've done it in the past yeah and this year i moved over to spotrack 
What a great website. Okay. I'm moving over now because NBA.com is not doing it for me. Oh, yeah. No, I, I for the rosters, I usually use basketball reference. Yeah. But then for all of the salary stuff, now I'm using Spotrack. Is that how you say it? Spotrack. I think so. I th- the basketball reference is a little spotty in the summer. It is, yeah. Okay, Andrew, trivia question for you. Okay. About the Bucks and relevant to Dragon Bender. Now, remember, because everyone out there, you can play along with these trivia questions. Remember that Dragon Bender was in the same draft class as guys like Brandon Ingram, Jamal Murray, Damanis Sabonis that year. Mm-hmm. Okay, remember that? Mm-hmm. Andrew, how many first-round draft picks in this year's draft, the 2019 draft, are older than Dragon Bender? Oh. First-round <laughs> draft picks in this year's draft. Uh, four? Six! Wow. And it was guys like Cobb Gele. Dylan yeah. Windler, Ty Jerome, Brandon Clark, Matisse Thibel, and Cam Johnson. Yeah. That's what sold me on Dragon Bender when I heard that, when I realized that. <laughs> I was like, this guy's only 21? How is that possible? Just pure age just has, has yes. got you there. And, well, okay. And then if I'm being okay. uh, smart, it's also because he's a, he's a stretch five. Well, he can't shoot. But <laughs> theoretically, he's a stretch five. And he's going to play in Coach Bud's system. Like I, I, I think we could be talking about Bender differently in a year from now, Andrew. He shot really well against the Thunder in that one game. And well, there them. you go. Remember that? That's another data point. We right. have we now have three data points. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just uh, that's that's really ultra smart. I would guess that he wouldn't play. I would guess well, that you'd be dumb. DJ Wilson, who is a full two years older, has so much more experience. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> will play. Don't you think? I just don't like old guys. You know, I'm I'm trying to get him <laughs> as young as possible. He, had, Dragon Bender, has three years of NBA experience and is 21 years old. Yeah, he could yeah. be anything. It's just it is it is wild <laughs> though to think about something. Anything. Think about someone like Matisse Thybul, who yeah. I'll be honest, I didn't really follow this draft closely, but I knew who Matisse Thybul was, and in my head, I just assumed, oh, he's just like a young guy. He's just a young defender type guy. And it turns out he's older than Dragon Bender. Yeah, I, I would have never been excited about him. Get him out of here. You know how old Theonis Antetokounmpo is? Uh, he was born in 1992. He just had his birthday. Happy birthday! He's 27. Yeah, it's crazy, man. And then the, there's another brother, right? Yes, Co- Costas. Co- yeah, <laughs> I think right. it's different than I don't think it's Costas, but it's close. Yeah. Okay, Andrew, uh, before we leave the Bucks, I have a crystal ball question for you. Who is more likely to make the All-Star game this year, Eric Bledsoe or Malcolm Brogdon? Mm-hmm. I would say Brogdon. He's just going to have way more opportunity. With I don't. When is Oladipo back? I guess we can talk about that in the Indiana portion. But Yeah, and I don't know is the answer. Yeah, Brogdon's okay. going to have a lot of opportunity. To start the season, because there's not a lot of dudes on that team that can create their own shot, right? So I would say, I would say Brogdon. I would also say I'm not sure either of them will, but I would. I would agree. It's just weird that you know back in February there was a real discussion about whether the second representative from the Bucks should be Bledsoe or Middleton. Mm Hmm. Yeah. And then he he just fell off so hard in the playoffs that we kind of everyone just hates Eric Bledsoe now, but. 
Yeah, Who knows? He, he was, and that's true. I think that we're we all write him off now as a guy that's just not even going to contribute. But he was very good in the regular season for them, and a part of their success. And so maybe he's a guy that's just not a great playoff player, but he certainly helped them win a lot of games in the regular season. And so I think that that'll be the same for next year. Okay, you ready to move on? I'm ready. All right, the second seed last year, NBA champions, Toronto Raptors. They were 58-24. and 24. They're over under this year, 46 and a half. Now, before I tell you their key additions and key losses, I have a trivia question for you, Andrew. Okay. So much was made about Toronto having no lottery picks on their roster last season. Remember that? There's random guys oh, yeah. off the street. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Currently, however... They have two former lottery picks on their roster. Who are they? Stanley Johnson. Yeah. And was Ronnie Hollis Jefferson? No. No. I bet whatever site you're looking at does not have this guy's name on it, but he did <laughs> sign a contract with them. Uh, I don't remember. Cameron Payne. Oh, yeah, Cam. Durr. I'm looking at his name right now. Yep. Yeah, Cam Payne, former lottery pick. So they're key additions. Stanley Johnson, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, key losses, Kawhi Leonard, Danny Green. This is an interesting one because the thing you're going to hear on every over-under podcast is that the Raptors were 17-5 and five without Kawhi last year. Mm-hmm. Which is, that was, I don't know what win pace that is. That's an insane win pace. That's good. Like seven, yeah, that's very good. What's interesting is that they were, during that run, that 17-5 and five run, they were 13-0 and 0 against sub-500 teams, so they beat mm-hmm. all the bad teams. They were also, but they were 4-5 and five against good teams, so any team that was over 500. The other thing about this is that Danny Green was also on that team, like when they were 17-5, and five, so yep. they lost him. Yep. They're kind of thin, and they're old. Like, if you look at their backup, like their bench... It's a lot of guys that you're just kind of hoping for. Like guys like Stanley Johnson, who are a lot better in our minds than they've been in the NBA. Yeah. Same with Rondé Hollis Jefferson. I mean, he was good, I feel like, his first one or two seasons. And then he kind of fell off the map. And that's kind of who they are betting on in terms of keeping this bench together. Yeah, it's it it's obviously a problem. The Thunder know a thing or two about losing an MVP candidate or an MVP uh, and it's difficult to recover from. I know that he didn't play in those games, and they did super well. But like you mentioned, Danny Green's a good player, good defender, good shooter, a guy that's helpful. And losing him, like who takes his place? Like maybe give those minutes to Norman Powell. Um, OG Ananobi's going to take some minutes there. How good is OG Ananobi? Is is definitely a part of next season's success for this team and it's a little scary he had a really rough year last year but he had a lot of personal stuff that he was going through he had injuries that he was going through and so if he can remain healthy that's helpful uh, also you get Marcus Saul to start the season which I think will help them uh, win games uh, but yeah on the wing I think it's going to be difficult for them because they have to replace a lot of minutes from two guys that were experienced and knew what they were doing and you know like who's the most experienced wing they're going to have you know is it Norman Powell uh he's going to play a lot of minutes there 
Uh, you're going to play Stanley Johnson a lot. They're going to play OG a lot for sure. Where does Ronda Hollis Jefferson play? Like what position does he play for them? I think is a question. Um, they've got a lot of reclamation projects on their team right now. I think that they're hoping that they can at least land one of them. Like even Devin Robinson, who they signed, who hasn't had a ton of experience. He played for the Wizards. He was a Syracuse guy. He's interesting as like a really great athlete, um, but not the smartest guy on the court. And so, but he's still an interesting guy for them to pick up. So, like you have like Devin Robinson, Hollis Jefferson, you got Campaign, you got Stanley Johnson. You have all these guys. Like I don't know. Like they they have good you know pedigree at least somewhere along the line. Like maybe we can turn them into something with our coaching staff and with our culture and things like that. But uh, they will undoubtedly take a big step back. Yeah, it's kind of crazy how young this team is because obviously you, when you think about the Raptors right now, you're thinking about Kyle Lowry, Mark Gasol, Serge Ibaka, all of at least more than a decade of experience in the NBA. Mm-hmm. But outside of those three, no one on the roster has more than four years of experience. Yeah. So they're, they're this like secret tank team almost and i i do wonder if they got a good deal like that they couldn't turn down for either gasol or lowry or abaca would they do it and just kind of move forward and start the tank a year early because the other option is just playing out this year seeing how good you can do which i think is is what we think they're going to do and then next summer all three of those big contracts come off and i think they have like 32 million guaranteed on their roster for next season oh wow now so that's the only part of the over-under where I'm like a little sketchy with because they did drop the over-under by a full 11 and a half games. So like they only have to win 47 games to hit their over. We've talked about how they were good last year without Kawhi. They've got some young guys like OG Ananobi who we think could potentially be good. So I'm going with the over, but I don't feel great about it because I do think there's a potential here that Masai could blow it up. Yeah. I mean, it would not shock me if they traded Marcus Saul for a draft pick or traded Kyle Lowry for a draft pick. Like that would not <clears throat> that would not be shocking at all. And so I'm gonna take the under just because I think there is potential for that. Because other otherwise like that team's not going to the finals again. Right. And and maybe you just wanna have a just keep the winning going because it would be weird to you know, win the NBA championship and then fall out of the playoffs entirely, which even if they traded those guys, like you have Pascal Siakam, you have OG Ananobi, you've got guys, you have Fred Van Vliet who can play, Norman Powell. Like that team might make the playoffs anyway, you know? Like that yeah. that could totally happen, um, even without Lowry and Gasol, just because the East is, man, the East is still so bad. It's still really bad. You look at even at these eight teams and like you get toward the bottom and you're like, man, it's really just kind of gross. And I kind of like that core that I just mentioned better than what some of these other teams have going on. So so the NBA smart guy take actually originated with the Raptors because last year we were on that Pascal Siakam bandwagon. And now we were making fun of the bandwagon, but we were there. Oh, we yeah. were aware of it. So oh, we yeah. still get credit for being there early this year i feel like the smart guy take is people saying you know last summer we were actually more excited about og Ananobi." right <laughs> so they're trying to like do it again like og is gonna have the same kind of jump that pascal had yeah 
So we might as well get – I mean we've been in on OG since the beginning. Right. That is who I, I wanted the Thunder to take back in the Terrence Ferguson draft. Yep. And I think you felt the same way. So this is a big year for him. Big year to see if we were all smart or not. It's a big year. Uh, I like that take. My smart guy take is I really love the addition of Matt Thomas. <laughs> who? Matt Thomas. Matt Thomas. He he spent some years over in Europe refining his jump shooting abilities. He's ready to come over. He's gonna be a guy that's gonna he's gonna come out of nowhere. He's gonna contribute as a, a shooting specialist off the bench, and everybody's gonna say, "Who is this guy? How did they get him?" Well, I'll tell you, their scouting department has been superb, and they got their guy Matt Thomas. Are you sure he isn't a scout? <laughs> I think he played it for Iowa State. God, everyone played for Iowa State. I know. <laughs> okay, crystal ball, Andrew. How many all-star games will Pascal Siakam make in his career? Ooh. Because I'm thinking this year is, I mean, I feel pretty confident he's going to make it this He'll year. He'll make it this year. I would say five. Yeah, I think that's realistic. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. An ar- I found an article this was only from 2017. This was written by Bleacher Report where they were trying to predict the 2020 All-Star team. So this is kind of like that article from a, a little while ago about when Andrew Wiggins, they predicted him to be like a top five player. You right. know? But this one is a little bit easier because it was only three years ago and they were predicting the 2020 All-Star team. So, of course, they had like all the names you would think. But they threw in a few random names of who they thought would make the All-Star team in three years' time. And the funniest one was Dennis Schroeder. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All the other ones were like completely believable and like without if they had known what trades were going to happen, like it would have all made sense. But Dennis Schroeder. Yeah, Bleacher Report really high on him. <laughs> Shout out to him. Uh okay. Number 3, the third seed in the Eastern Conference last year, the Philadelphia 76ers. They were 51 and 31. They're over under this year, second highest in the East, 55 and a half. Their key additions, Al Horford, Josh Richardson, Matisse Thibel, Trey Burke, key losses, Jimmy Butler, JJ Redick, TJ McConnell, Boban. I'm taking the over on the Sixers, but I don't feel good. But yes. I I just if I, I, I just feel like I have more issues with the Bucks. Than the Sixers. Yeah. The Sixers are going to be really interesting defensively. And what's what's cool is that they have a lot of room to grow. So they were actually 15th in defensive rating last year, which I thought they were would have been higher than that. But now mm-hmm. you bring in Al Horford, you get Zaire Smith back, who's supposed to be a good defender. You have Matisse Thibel, who's only a defender. Um I just hey, feel, don't limit Matisse, man. I I'm I'm a believer. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. All right. They still have Embiid and Simmons, obviously, are good defenders. They brought in Josh Richardson. Like, I think this could be a really good defensive team. Yeah. And they could just beat up on the East and get to 56 wins, 57 wins, whatever. So I decided to go with the over. Yeah, plus you have the uh, Trey Burke, Howell Neto point guard battle. Okay. Well, you didn't have to bring up that. (laughs) No, I'm going with the over, too. I think Al, oh, Al, Hor- Al Horford remains just completely underrated. Like as a guy that's going to help you win games. Uh, I th- we'll get to Boston, but like, I just think that he is 
such a helpful player in winning basketball games. And so I think he's going to be kind of a glue for a lot of these guys and help kind of push them along. Um, and I think he's going to be helpful to Joel Embiid in a lot of ways. And playing next to him, he can be, he can stagger those guys, and he can kind of be the backup center as well. He can start at four. He can be the backup center. And he's awesome. They're going to win a lot of regular season games just because they are just way more talented than everybody else. Uh, ben Simmons is only 23, and he I think he's going to take another step. I don't know if that includes jump shooting. I don't know. I mean, it matters, but I don't know how much it matters for this team's regular season success. I think they're going to be great, and I don't think that they're going to have any <clears throat> of the same kind of like whose team is this question marks. I think that it's firmly you know, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, and then you have guys like Tobias Harris, Al Horford, Josh Richardson, that are just there to kind of support those guys and make those guys better. And so, yeah, I'm over. I really like this team. I think they're going to be good. I think Matisse will play. I think Zaire will play. Uh, and honestly, like, Trey, I don't know if Trey Burke is good, but I think he'll play for them. And I think that he'll be fine, do a fine enough job for them. I think that they're, they're a team that will likely be trying to find guys in the bio market uh, towards season's end, I feel like they're just kind of a piece or two away from, you know, being like a real title contender. Uh, if they could get another wing or or something like that, I think that that's where what they need. Or if they could get another guard that can shoot it, I think they need that. Um, so, so speaking of the young guys, my crystal ball question for you was: which of these young Sixers will average the most minutes per game? And it was Zaire Smith, Matisse Thibel, Shake Milton, Jonah Bolden, or Furkan Korkmaz. I kind of think it's going to be Matisse. Really? Okay. Because yeah. he can play, he can play a forward position. He can he can really defend, and I think that his shot isn't broken. I think that he can. He'll be. I think he'll be a fine corner shooter, and. I think he'll play a lot. Zaire, I think Zaire will play a lot too, but um, I still feel like it's, it's a pretty big leap to go from what he went through last year to playing like significant minutes on a team. That right. Maybe he's a year away from that. Um, because, I mean, he, he almost died last year. Um, and had to... I mean, there are stories of him shooting in the gym with an IV in um, because he was so sick, but he wanted to get back so badly. And so it wouldn't surprise me if he was, if he was that guy, but if I were betting, I would say it's Matisse. I think that he's a, he's a plug and play guy, even though he's a rookie. I think that he's a plug and play guy. Now my trivia question for you, the Sixers have now filled all 15 roster spots. How many of those players are under six, (laughs) six? Oh shoot! Uh, let's see. One Zaire Smith, yeah, six six. Trey Burke, Howell. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yes. Um, is it three? Is there? Uh, so it's four. So actually, Matisse Thibel is six five. Okay. Yeah, that's right. So it's four. But that said, the Sixers are not the tallest team, according to Hispanos NBA. Oh wow! Website I found. <laughs> 
<laughs> They're actually second. Who do you think is the tallest team in the league, Andrew? Oh, boy. I don't think you'd ever guess it. The, but this team only has no. This team only has. That's a good, good, good guess. Actually, this team only has one player under six six. Wow, tallest team. Wow, it is the Atlanta Hawks. Oh, really? And Trey's the only guy. Trey's the only guy under six six on the Hawks. Who's their backup point guard? Malcolm Delaney. Uh, some giant, apparently. Yeah. Wow, that's something. That's. Uh, that's something. I mean, that's how you build around a tiny little point guard. Hey, the Thunder could be a team that has no guys under 6'6 because of Ooh. who their point guard is going forward. That's true. We can shoot for that. That's, <laughs> that's a hope for the rebuild. Uh, my NBA smart guy take is something that is has been popularized by Kevin O'Connor, but I feel like it took on a new life yesterday because we finally started seeing some video of Ben Simmons shooting and it's that Ben Simmons shoots with the wrong hand. Yeah. Cause those images yesterday. So there was some, he he was just doing like a run in some gym and Ben Simmons was taking some jumpers and it is so weird. Like his, his lineup looks like a normal shot. If you were a right-handed shooter. Mm -hmm. So like his right hand, his right arm is more straight and his left arm is more out to the side, but then he shoots the ball with his left hand from that position. It's very strange. Yeah, that is weird. And he was making them, but it did not, it doesn't look like a good jump shot. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, that's a, it's a thing. It's a thing to monitor for this team because if Ben Simmons could shoot it, I'd pick this team to win the East and go to the finals easy. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I still think they're going to win a ton of games. I still think they're going to be really good and may make the finals anyhow. Like that could definitely happen. That would not be shocking whatsoever to me, uh, but it will matter. And we've, we saw it with Russell last year. You know, it hurt the team badly when nobody, when they just decided our game plan is if Russell's on the perimeter back away and it's an easier proposition with Ben because there's a there's going to be games where Russell does kill you from three, and the, the Russell is going to kill teams with Houston from three. That's going to happen. Most of the time it won't, but it, but it is a possibility. With Ben, it's not a possibility. He hadn't even he won't even take them, um, and so that's that is a problem. Um, my uh, my smart guy take is Shake Milton is going to sneak up and do some damage this season. For this. Ah, I think you're right. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> sounds pretty good to me. A Tulsa, a, na a native Tulsa man. Oh, Shake is he really? Milton. Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, all right, you ready for the Boston Celtics? Hey, before we go to the Boston Celtics, let's talk about yeah. something else that starts with a B. That's Blue, Blue Garden. Garden. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Blue Garden is a great place right now to go hang out at night. They've got they're going to have a fire pit going. They've got a great bar. They're going to have really awesome food trucks. So if on you know a, a Thursday night, Friday night, you're like, man, we want to go somewhere tonight, uh, Blue Garden's a place to go, and it's a great place to go because they do have wonderful food from different vendors, uh, different food trucks from around the city, just a lot of talented people that have put together uh, these mobile restaurants, and the food is great. Uh, and then on top of that, it's a great bar. It's a great atmosphere. You've kind of you've got the uh, Oklahoma City 
skyline in, in the background of of Blue Garden. It's just a really, really cool environment. And if you haven't been, you need to go. So go take your friends, take your family to Blue Garden um, and have a different dining experience. That place is great. Also, this episode is brought to you by Banquet Cinema Pub. Made by the same people as Blue Garden. So it's just super creative. It's a really great idea. It's, they have a movie theater. And so there's, you can go see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood at the Banco Cinema Pub. And you can take great food in there with you. And you can take drinks in there with you. Uh, they have a great bar. They have great cocktails. And they have uh, draft beer there that's really great too. Um, but you can also just go there to eat. It's just also a restaurant. I think that's something that people don't haven't quite understood yet with the Bank of Cinnamon Pub. But I've been. We had our draft party there. It was great. They have really great pizza, great snacks. But we also went for brunch. I took my family there for brunch, and the brunch is unreal. Like It is seriously one of the best brunch spots in the city. Uh, it's a really, really cool place, and the food is outstanding. The atmosphere is just outstanding. It is one of the coolest places in the city, and it's not really that close. So go check out the Bank of Cinema Pub and support the people that support Down to Dunk. Boston Celtics, fourth seed in the East last year, 49-33. and 33. They're over under this season, 49 and <laughs> a half. So you have to think that they're going to do better than last year if you want the over. Right. Their key additions, Kemba Walker and Ennis Cantor. Yep. Key losses, Kyrie Irving, Marcus Morris, Al Horford. This is the fourth youngest roster in the league now, Andrew, behind only Phoenix, Chicago, and Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And they are picked. You have to pick them to win 50 games. I think I'm taking the under. Yeah. (laughs) I think I take the under, But it's tough because you could see the the classic like Boston story. Oh, Brad Stevens is a wizard. He's a wizard. Look at he's getting what these guys to do. I know. I mean, if you're betting on the over, it's that Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum tandem is good again. You know, and it works. And both those guys are thriving. Um oh, you know, away from Kyrie Irving. Um the Al Horford thing is that's what if they still had Al Horford, I'd pick them for over easy. Like I just think that it wouldn't be that difficult. But you replace Al Horford with Ennis Cantor. Like Ennis is is great. He's a really fun guy. Does some things. Obviously, really hurt the Thunder in last year's playoff playoffs for Portland. But as a guy that's like night in, night out, going to be your starting center, and whether you like it or not, the center has to be the anchor of your defense. And that's terrifying. It's a terrifying proposition if I'm Boston. On the other hand, their offense is going to be awesome because Cantor is one of the best offensive rebounding bigs in the league. He can really score around the basket with ease. He's got really great touch. And so, like you can imagine, like Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Ennis Cantor, like, wow, like all those guys can really score it. And so I think they're going to be fine there. Um, but yeah, they're. The lack of experience, because like Jason Tatum's twenty one, like, I feel like we've been talking about Tatum for forever, but he's just twenty one years old. Jalen Brown's only twenty two. I, 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 I'm gonna take the under, but I think it's close. I think they could win forty eight, forty nine games, 
Um, so I'm not saying like they're going to win 44 games or anything like that. I think they're going to be close to 50, but it's hard for me to get there. And then also the Gordon Hayward factor. Like, What does he look like this year? What does he do for them this year? Uh, I think that's a big question mark. And if I'm a Boston fan, if there would be a way to trade Hayward um, and get back somebody else, because I would just rather have those wing minutes um, and even the four minutes go to Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Like that's who I want. I want those shots going to them. And there's going to be a lot of shots taken by Kimball Walker already. And so I don't want a bunch of shots going to Kimball Walker and Gordon Hayward when I have those two on my team. Uh, and so I think that it's, their team is, is complicated in a lot of ways, but, um, I'm going to save like 48 wins for them. Man, so that that leads into my crystal ball question, which is, do you really think Ennis Cantor is going to be the starting center for the Celtics by the end of the season? That's a good question. Can they really be a 50-win team with Ennis Cantor playing, what, 25 to 30 minutes per game as their center? Can that that happen? If that's how you frame it, it doesn't seem like it. (laughs) Um, What if if they did this? What if they traded for Nerlens? Yeah, I, I just feel like they need a – don't they need more of a defensive center? I think they I do. Mean, I feel pretty confident in the guys they have around them in terms of offense. You're not a Taco Fall believer? Uh, I mean, it's fun. He's yeah. fun. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think it would be – It'd be. I think that Nerlens would help them, and it would also be really funny because then they just have the two Thunder backup centers from the last – you know, four or five years. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think he would help. I think that he would help them. And I don't, I think if they would give him, give the Thunder a second round pick, or I guess Robert Williams is a guy that does things, but he, right. I don't know. I, Nerlens is obviously a better player than what Robert Williams is today. He's a guy you could still develop. But if you just did like a, like an Ojale for Nerlens swap, great. Let's do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would do that. You know. Now, Andrew, my trivia isn't uh, a question. It's more of a story, which is how the Gordon Hayward pick came to be. So the, the Jazz drafted Gordon Hayward in 2009, actually 2010. But that pick came from all the way back in 2004. Okay? The Knicks traded for Stefan Marbury from the Suns. That year, they actually tra- also traded for Penny Hardaway. They sent two draft picks in that trade. One was a t- 2004 unprotected first. The other was a heavily protected first. And listen to these protections. Protected top 25 in 2006, t- top 24 in 2007, top I didn't know that teams were doing protections like that back then. Yeah, they were. It's crazy. All right, keep going. Sorry. Top 22 in 2009 and then unprotected in 2010. Okay, so they send this un- they send this heavily protected pick to the Suns, but it eventually becomes unprotected. The Suns, listen to this trade. This is the wor- one of the worst trades in NBA history, and I never knew about it. Months later, months later, so they made this trade like during the summer before the 2003-2004 season. Mm-hmm. The Suns, at the 2004 trade deadline, listen to this deal they make with the Jazz. They trade both of those first-round picks to the Jazz, a second-round pick, and Tom Gugliotta 
for Keon Clark and Ben Hanglotton. Hang, <laughs> hand logton, hand logton. Now you're saying, well, they were probably they probably had to do that to clear Gugliotta's contract. No, he was an expiring. He was an expiring contract. What? So they traded an expiring contract and two first round picks and a second round pick for Keon Clark and Ben Handlogton. And you're saying to yourself, well, I bet I bet Keon Clark and Ben Handlogton were really good. No, Keon Clark never played another game in the NBA. He never suited up for the Suns. You know who also never suited up for the Suns? Ben Handlogton. He was waived the very next day. And guess what? He signed a contract with the Utah Jazz the following season. <laughs> what? So they what? traded two first-round picks for what reason? I don't know. And it's not even like they were avoiding the tax because they had just traded their two highest-played pl- players, which was Stephon Marbury and Penny Hardaway. What is going I, on there? Yeah, so then this pick that originally started in 2004, eventually becomes unprotected in 2010, and that's how the Jazz got Gordon Hayward. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. So what is that trade? What is that? And I tried to find – it's crazy how much we've advanced because I think of 2004 as like, oh, yeah, NBA blogs were were going then. No. There's not a lot out there. Dude. I found like one instance of a Suns blog being like, "Yeah, I don't really know what this was," but that's about <laughs> all they said. <laughs> this was like when I was getting on where was like on Yahoo and going on the message boards on Yahoo. <laughs> you know, like that's what I was doing in two thousand four. Was well, that's what I should have been searching for because suge- apparently suggesting that's where trades they on on Yahoo on Yahoo's site. <laughs> would you Would you have suggested this one? What if not? I don't even know that. I've known, I think this might be the first time I've ever heard the Han Logton name. I just couldn't believe that trade. I mean, that trade couldn't happen nowadays. No, the, like, the, the blogosphere wouldn't allow it to happen, one. And, and by the way, the Suns, like, that summer, that next summer, so they trade these two first-round picks, get off Tom Gugliotta's contract for some reason, doesn't matter because he's expiring, they signed Steve Nash that very next summer. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like they had a bunch of bad contracts. Like they had Amari Stoudemire on a rookie contract. They had uh, Leandro Barbosa on a rookie contract. The only high paid player on their team at that point was Sean Marion, making ten million a year. Oh, they had Joe Johnson on a rookie contract. Yep. Like they were fine in terms of money. Makes no sense. That's so weird. You could get away with a lot back in the day before Twitter. Yes, you could. Uh, my NBA smart guy take, uh, I feel like it's Carson Edwards. Yeah. <laughs> people are people are excited about him after Summer League. Uh, mine is uh, Taco Fall is a human being, and I don't appreciate the way that you guys treat him on Twitter. Oh, wow. That's, that's weird, though, because like his autograph line at Summer League was like legendary. Like it was how long it was. Yeah. And, and it's not like people are doing that because he's a human being like they think that it, it's it's not like they're making fun of him they're just like amazed by his height yeah but and, the fact is alex he's actually a good basketball player and if well, we would stop making a circus show out of this we might be able to see that wow okay wow uh, you know what <laughs> i'm not going to push back on that anymore andrew you're very very strong in those beliefs okay 
Somehow we still have four left. <laughs> I know we were at forty-eight minutes. Well, oh, I mean, man. we could just keep spreading this out. Let's do that. Let's let's go. Let's do that. Let's just do the next four next week. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you have anything else? Any other? Did you see that they're going to uh, manage uh, Russell Westbrook and James Harden's minutes? That they're going to do um, some load management with those two? That's great. I love just hearing about those guys and and anything you can give me about them. I'm excited. Right. <laughs> Keep giving me news. Um, we're we're going to be hearing about how Westbrook's changing his game pretty soon. That's coming up. That's going to be like all training camp, dude. <sighs> What do you think the odds are that he actually does like change his game? Well, it's a hundred percent. I mean, he can't. Do you, the the other option is him just like standing. Although that's what Chris Paul did. I mean, it's not like Chris Paul was running around. Yeah. So maybe he doesn't have to change his game that much. He's going to have a lot of time to relax, though. They're going to be staggering those minutes a majority of the time, right? Yeah, but they still have to play what twenty to twenty four minutes together. Maybe Each not night, that even much. Maybe like 12 minutes together. 15 minutes 12? Together. Yeah. They'll start games together, and they probably won't play a whole lot in the middle. And then they'll then they'll close games, like last six, seven minutes together. Don't you think? Yeah. I guess. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I just, the whole thing with like, you know, Russ is going to just be a great off-ball cutter. He's going to be setting screens. You know, they could run a Russell Westbrook pick and roll with Russell Westbrook rolling to the basket. Like yeah, in, cool. in theory, yeah, that all sounds awesome. That's never happened. Like Russell doesn't do that. He doesn't set screens. Period. Like he just never screens. Uh I would be I would honestly be super miffed if he just started setting a ton of off-ball screens <laughs> in the Rockets offense. And also, that's not the Rockets offense. It's not a lot of ball movement. It's not a lot of screening. It's ISO heavy. And so like some people are like, well, do you think they'll just play Mike D'Antoni style whenever, you know, he, uh James Harden's off the court and then play, you know, the you know, James Harden style? I don't think so cuz they didn't do that with Chris Paul. And like Chris Paul, like that's a guy that you would think would want to play more of Mike D'Antoni's like traditional style of like the Steve Nash running gun 7 seconds or less. They never did that. They didn't do that with those two. And so I don't know why they would do that. Hmm. It's just, this is just such a July theoretical NBA conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's that's why I'm trying to uh, avoid it. I'm, I'm getting close to just muting Rockets so I don't have to see it. Hey, what do you know about Anthony Bennett? Are they excited about that? Uh, no, they're like jokingly excited. Okay. Yeah, Rockets fans aren't that delusional. I don't feel like I've heard enough about the Anthony Bennett signing. No, and and in fact, uh, one of the accounts I follow was just listing all the guys like that that Daryl Morey has brought in over the last few years, which I think Presti is kind of known for that too. Sure. Bringing in those type of guys. So, yeah, they all think it's kind of funny. They they include him in like their big three. (laughs) Westbrook, Harden, and Bennett. (laughs) That's awesome. Because, like, yeah, it was Mello. Oh, Michael Carter-Williams. Um, yeah. Remember when he when Maury was talking about Michael Carter-Williams as, like, we were adding a rookie of the year to the team? Mm, yeah, they did. They did that. And it, yeah. and it feels 
shockingly similar to when he was like, we're adding an MVP. Because that's like all that he really said in the press conference was like, we're adding an MVP. I wonder if he said we're adding a former number one pick with Anthony Bennett. <laughs> I wonder if he did. What did you, we haven't, I haven't heard your thoughts on the press conference from Friday. The Rockets press conference? Yeah. Well, you think I watched that? You didn't watch any of it. No. Oh, come on. I didn't. I didn't watch one second of it. Even the videos that people were posting, I didn't click on one of them. Wow. I refused to engage, Andrew. I don't know if I'm proud of you or disappointed in you. I don't. I really I, don't know. I don't. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear Westbrook talking about us. I don't want to hear anything. It was brutal. I watched the whole thing. Oh, are you surprised? Like, why would you? Why would you subject yourself to that? I just, what do you think was going to happen? I, dude, I don't. I don't know. Like everything, Russell Westbrook, I can't look away. Like I just have to watch it. I have to know, even if it hurts. Like I just have to know. <laughs> he did say. <sighs> He did say that he didn't think the Thunder had ever beaten the Rockets in the playoffs. Yeah, that's cool. Which was just like, dude, how could you forget? That was the that's Patrick Beverly year. That was our year. How could you how could you forget? All right, we can stop there. It's too painful. Um Alex, thanks for coming on the show. Follow Alex on Twitter at AlBabyCakes. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew K. Schlecht. Follow our podcast at Down to Dunk. Please leave us a five-star iTunes review. Uh, just go to the Purple Podcast app if you have an iPhone, which I found out a majority of our listeners are listening on an iPhone or on an iPad. So I know most of you are. So if, And I know there's a lot of you that haven't done this yet. So it's very simple. It's an easy way to support the show. Click on the app, search down to dunk, and then um, hit five stars. You're done. If you want to leave a message additionally, that would be great. Lots of nice, nice things have been written about us um and it means a lot i read every single one and i appreciate them so go do that for us today we're getting closer to a thousand which is just a a nice round number even though russell westbrook's gone we still love round numbers in oklahoma city so help us get there um also go to the banquet cinema pub and go to blue garden for a good time in oklahoma city also uh support um people in need go to be the match.org and get your swab kit. It's a super easy way uh, to help somebody that is in need of a bone marrow transplant. And it's it's super simple. It doesn't. It takes maybe four or five minutes of your time, and you could save somebody's life. So go do that. Let us know if you're doing that. Uh, my neighbor Ava uh, is is being saved currently. She's in the hospital. I guess it was her birthday, and so we. FaceTimed with her yesterday and told her happy birthday, saying her happy birthday. But she's somebody that's being saved through BeTheMatch.org. So save a life. Go to BeTheMatch.org. Have a great day. We'll talk to you guys again on Friday morning.